You're listening to the Ascension Roundtable podcast, your go-to show for Catholic ministry shop talk. Episode 6. Why does God allow us to be tested? Last episode, Tom and Alan talked about how the cost of being a disciple in ministry can feel pretty overwhelming at times. So in this episode, they offer three reasons why God lets us be tested like that. And I think you're going to find it pretty interesting. Stay tuned. Welcome to the podcast. Today we have a special day. Today, um, Mr. Tom McCabe has been in the office this week for some uh, meetings, and uh, we are blessed with his presence in the interrogation room, as we like to call it here at Ascension, and um, recording this podcast with him actually live in the studio right. right across the table from me. So welcome, Tom McCabe. Yeah, you're so much more intimidating when I have to sit across <laughs> from you. In the, this is actually the green room. Now that I'm in here, it's the with the kind of the lime green <laughs> yeah. room. So... Yeah, it's, it's great. I mean, it's great to be here. You know, it's one thing to do it over Skype. It's another thing to be able to sit across from somebody and shoot the breeze. So this is awesome. I'm having fun. Good. Yeah. I apologize for my smell. It's just, um, yeah. it's just what it is. That's, that's why I'm so intimidating. It it's comes just through on smell. Skype too, just so you oh, know. Does, so yeah, we, we've become strong. accustomed to it. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> All of our listeners out there, it's, it's a scratch and sniff podcast. <laughs> that's um, right. So because he's here and he's got to catch a flight this afternoon, we're going to jump right into um, today's topic. We uh, spoke earlier on a podcast about uh, the movie Silence. Um, Mm -hmm. We have both seen it since then, and I just wanted to share some thoughts out there on the movie. So, Tom, give me your response, gut response to Silence. Well, I'll let everybody know this is – we're not going to give – you know, there's no spoiler alerts or anything like that because even our our producer who's with us today, Marisa, has not seen it, and so we don't want to blow anything for her as well. But man, Alan, it it threw me for a loop. I mean, it did a number on me in a good sense, in the the best of sense. I saw it two nights ago, and the last two nights I have gotten less than five hours of sleep a night just because of myself going through the dilemmas that this movie puts these priests and these Christians into. And um, so I have just wrestled with them. So in the best of sense, I think this is this movie is not cotton candy, right? right. <laughs> You've got to go in and if anything, it leaves you asking so many questions. I, I would argue in, in a very good sense. I think there are some in the Catholic world that might be critics of this, saying that, you know, oh, the movie justifies, you know, apostasy or anything, different things. And uh, I mean, it, it, there's so many themes in this movie that are, are worth unpacking. So at any rate, it, I will watch this several times for my own sake. My own, um, so at any rate, that, that's enough for me. How about you? Uh, yeah, similar. I, um, <clears throat> man, sorry. 
I saw it with a group of people from the office. We went, um, actually, most of our department went, and uh, with some guys who, you know, a lot of these guys studied film in school, and so it was really interesting to see, to hear their perspective on the movie. So I think, first of all, it's just a really well-made, very well-done yes. movie, um, just from a, a... Directing standpoint. Exactly. Acting standpoint. Even the cinematography. Yeah. It's beautiful. In it a lot is. of ways, yeah. I think the one Oscar nomination that it got, I could be wrong, is is a cinematography. Oh, uh, is that right? Right. It's 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 not acting. It's not. I mean, even though I think Scorsese did a fast, an amazing job in the directing. But and as a quick tangent, I just want to say uh, the actor that plays uh, Father Rodriguez, um, Andrew Garfield, aka mm-hmm. Spider Man, mm-hmm. he. Went through a uh, Jesuit silent retreat and had quite a profound experience. There's a, a YouTube, if you Google, I think it's called Actors on Actors. There's an mm-hmm. interview with uh, Amy Adams where she's interviewing him. And he, he basically says in the interview that uh, he knows how freaky this sounds, but I'm going to go ahead and say it anyway, that I feel like I have a personal relationship with Jesus now. And so I think just for the fact that, wow. you know, here's a movie that people, like you said, some Catholics would argue it was a... Uh, very critically, however, the actor who is Jewish said that he felt like he might be being called to the priesthood as he was preparing for the movie. So it's amazing how God it is amazing. can work. Um, you know, it's based on a true story back in the 17th century in Japan. And who would have thought that an actor playing a, a real life situation would have a profound experience like that 400 years later? Like, that's just amazing to me. Yeah, so it might be worthwhile just to give a, a quick overview of the movie, right? I mean, basically, the plot follows two seventh century or seventeenth century Jesuit priests who travel from Portugal mm-hmm. to Japan to locate, which is interesting, their missing mentor, right? Uh, so there's a, a father, Father Ferreira, right, mm-hmm. who was their their spiritual mentor and was just a hero, and he like a rock star priest, absolutely, yeah. and he underwent so much persecution. And so they heard, you know, that that he had committed apostasy, and they just couldn't believe it. We cannot believe this is true. We need to go search him out. So then they take that long trek to Japan, and they enter into this whole process themselves of as they're there trying to find him, that they start evangelizing, mm-hmm. right? And and the effects of that. So I think the glaring dilemma that the priests, I think the movie, and, and I think um, Martin Scorsese pins this, that the priest did not prepare for this, right? Will you allow others to be brutally tortured physically, emotionally, even psychologically because of your decision of faith? I think that's the, the real looper for me. And I knew I was going in to the movie with this, realizing that this is what I'm going to watch. And I think um, the movie really does show the effects of that. Mm-hmm. Right? Uh, for those who've, who, were, who, who were martyrs and for those who committed apostasy and the, the, the psychological effects and dismantling of a person through all of this, right? Yeah. And, and so, I see, so the crux of the story is the Christians are pressured to commit what they called fumi, right? Right. right which literally means um, stepping, right, stepping on picture. Right. Mm-hmm. So just commit Fumi. Just, just, it's just a formality. Yeah, just that's what they kept saying. Yeah. It's just a formality. Just, it's no big deal. Yeah. Just, just step on it. And these people over here will be saved. Right. 
We won't, we won't kill them. All you need to do, priest, is do this, right? Wow, quite a number. Yeah, going into it, I knew what the movie was about, and I knew <clears throat> kind of. I actually knew kind of the outcome of of whether the the protagonist, I guess you would say, mm-hmm. in the story, whether he does apostatize or not. Um, and I still wanted to go see it. And for me, the question, like you said, martyrdom has always been something I've been fascinated by, and just mm-hmm. what people, um, the strength people have to, and what they can endure physically and mentally. Um, and I've often wondered, like, do I have that? for myself to be a martyr, like just that question of, could I, could I be martyred, you know? Yeah. And I, sorry, go oh, ahead. Well, I was just going to say, cause I think, I think I'd like to say yes. And I think I could, if I knew that it was going to be short and not very painful, <laughs> Yes, <laughs> then it'd be like, yeah. Like if I'm like, if you're going to like shoot me in the back of the head while I'm playing golf, yeah, I'm all about it. You know, but the, but the idea of like actually suffering, like I'd like to say, yeah. And I'm in, and objectively, I think I, I, I would like to thank him up to the challenge, but once I'm put in the situation, you know, it'll be a different story. However, that like you said in this movie, it's somebody else suffering for your belief, and are you not um, honoring their dignity of life and allowing them to stop suffering by your decision? Is that an act of like pridefulness, or or what? And so that was for me going in was kind of the the um, what I was curious to see how it was portrayed and to see how I would react to it, and I had it a very objective point of view on it and then going to the movie and seeing it and the way the movie is shot you really kind of get you see the psychological torment that these guys go through yes. and that's when I started to like not, I don't know if I was changing my tune but I really began to understand what that really meant and more than just an objective like yes or no is it good or bad is it apostasy or not it was more of a subjective you know wow there's so many more so many nuances to this "Quote unquote formality of stepping on the Fumi," and I think that would really historically that was an effective tactic, right? Not kill the shepherd, but yeah, I mean, you know, I mean, you, I guess you, you basically break the shepherd, and then what happens to the sheep? Yeah, they are scattered. Don't kill him. You break him in front of everybody, and what a psychological uh, number that would do on a human person if, in fact, you did break. Right, because you're you're right. I, I think the, the the movie did a very good job of helping us to understand this this dilemma, right? And uh, so I, it's it's done a, it's done a number I think on certainly on me and um, helping me to understand psychologically what Christ must have gone through in the Passion. Yes, and I've heard. Um, I've heard scholars speak on this before, but this moved me, moved me, helped me to understand this at a greater depth. Yes, of course, the physical suffering must have been incredible, but the psychological torment must have just absolutely been so much more uh, than the physical pain. When you start thinking really and truly what Christ must have been going through, Um, and I know you and I talked about this earlier, but... You know, I mean, you're going to allow others to suffer for you because of you throughout time. All of these people, it's, it's, you could just envision the, the tempter. Mm-hmm. Come on, you don't need to do this. You don't, you're going to allow all of these people to suffer because of you. And what, come on, you know, they really don't love you. I mean, they're just going to reject you. Yeah. In, in the end. So, so why go through this? 
You're going to make a mockery of yourself. You who are God, you're going to make a mockery of yourself stooping this low to even forgive. Come on, no. Or an all-powerful God would demand obedience. An all-powerful God would not beg like this. You're actually begging. Now, we know this as lies, but when you understand, you start thinking through psychologically what must be going through, you know, these uh, these priests, is it's staggering. Yeah. That aspect of the film actually helped me understand um, the love and the sacrifice of the crucifixion, you know, to that extent, because I've, Absolutely. not that I take it for granted, but we see it every day. It's, it's all around. It's in our house. It's in the office. It's in our church. And so we see the image of the crucifixion all the time and to think, oh, he suffered that for me. But to, but to see the depth of that sacrifice, the depth of that suffering, that it wasn't just a physical pain he was enduring, but all the psychological um, testing and trauma and that he was enduring for the same reason for love. And um, yeah, it just takes that to a whole other level for me. And I walked out and I just thought, wow, I really don't understand God's mm. love for me. You know, I no. think I do. And especially as I, once I became a, a dad, I really, really began to understand how God as father more what for I was a father. But, um, yeah, but seeing this really took that to another level for me of the, the extent of love. Like I, I just have no idea what that love is like, that kind of unconditional love for somebody. Well, on that note, how about if we take a break very quickly and maybe we just come back and I think for this short podcast today, we asked the question, would, would God allow me, would he allow me to be tested? Right. And if so, why? Like, why would he allow us to be tested in such ways that we saw in this movie? And then see what we come up with. Sounds good. All right. You guys hang with us. We'll be right back. It's hard to live out your Catholic faith on your own. In fact, the Bible reveals that we need a community of people to help us on our journey of faith. If you're interested in finding that community by joining or starting a small group study, visit ascensionpress.com and sign up for a free Ascension account. With your account, you'll get all the tools you need to start walking with others towards Christ. All right, and we're back. Yeah, <laughs> we are back. <laughs> That's right. My train got suddenly got derailed. Sorry about that. No problem. So uh, how about I ask you the question here, okay? I was afraid of that. Yeah, no, I mean, there's a scene in the movie where, and I don't think we're spoiling anything, but there's a, there is a Jesuit priest who had previously or had committed uh, apostasy. And he's standing next to another uh, priest who's being pushed in that direction to commit apostasy as others are being tortured and this priest is being forced to watch. And they're being tortured. They've, the, the, those who are being tortured, they say, have, have already committed apostasy. So now they've already committed apostasy. They're just being tortured because you have not committed apostasy. And so one priest says to the other, you know, they're not, they're not over there. They're not dying because of Jesus. They're, they're dying because of you. They're over there because of you. And so the crux, the weight of his belief in Christ, his commitment to Christ is being tested deeply in that moment of the movie. You see that. And, the, and just the emotional and psychological torment and spiritual torment that this priest is going through. So I ask you, would Jesus really allow me 
to be tested. Let's not talk that way, but in our everyday lives to the point, that point of maybe breaking, we can talk about maybe it could be lust. It could be anger. It could be jealousy. It could be impatience. Would Jesus really allow me to be pushed to the point of breaking? To the point where he probably maybe knows I'm going to break anyway. Would he allow that to happen? Yes, next. <laughs> um, yeah, because I guess the question, the obvious answer is, is yeah, he would, he does. Um, we have been, people are probably listening to this podcast that have been, have felt tested and, and asked the next question, which is why? Like, if so, then, because it seems that he does. So why does he allow that? Are you throwing that back at I'm me? I'm throwing that back at you, pal. <laughs> That's not very fair. <laughs> I'll, uh, I'll give my answer, too. Okay. Um, the first thing that comes to mind as well is, yes, of course, as, as parents, you and I are dads. We, we, we want our kids to be tested in different things. And one day I test them, okay, here are the keys of the car. What are you going to do? Right? So that's part of maturity. That's part of growing up. It's part of responsibility and, and becoming uh, a mature person. No different for the spiritual life. So I, we all agree with that. Why? Um, many thoughts are running through my mind. And probably one of the more obvious ones is, of course, because it makes us stronger. We can see this with my son. And I'm, I am testing him on certain things in that moment. I want him, okay, son, you know what? I'm going to be gone tonight, and I just need you to, um, I just need to know that you're, you're going to take care of the house, and you're not going to get on the Internet and do things you shouldn't do. I just, I'm, it is a test, but I want him to be tested, to go to that point of saying, I did it. I, I may have been tempted, but I didn't do it. I know I can do this. So God wants ultimately to make us stronger, not for strength's sake, but for the sake of love, for the sake of communion and intimacy with him. So, and he knows what, what that'll do in us when we have said yes, when we commit. We all know that. We, all of a sudden, you, you say no to the candy bar. You say no to coffee. It's so hard for me to say no to my morning <laughs> coffee. If I had to say no to my morning coffee, what am I going to do? <laughs> but when I do say, I'm like, oh, I don't need it. Oh, there's a sense of accomplishment and power and strength and that comes. God wants us to have that. I think that's one of the obvious answers. One of maybe a, a more, a, a not so obvious answer. And I think there's different ones that come to my mind, the not so obvious. One of them is to teach us compassion for others. For those that we know all around us that are tempted. And let's say they don't make, they don't make the right choice. And maybe there are times in our life when we have not made the right choice. We, what this movie did for me is help me to understand, I don't judge the sinner, but I can judge the sin, right? So it's, you know, it's, it's hate the sin, but love the sinner that, that he allows us to be tempted. So we know what this really means, what, what it costs us to say yes. And then we can have a compassion for others and ourselves, and I'm not giving us a, a free card right. saying it's okay. But this is part of it. So I'm, uh, there's many reasons, I think, many not so obvious reasons, but certainly to make us strong, but uh, also to show us our weakness. Really to show us our weakness, That's I guess that's a third reason, and our need for Christ, our absolute 
need for Christ uh, because we cannot do it on our own. And so that's probably a second, maybe, that might be a little more obvious, but the third one that comes to mind, uh, Alan, is to teach us compassion for ourselves and for others. Yeah, that's that's huge. I hadn't, that hadn't really occurred to me. Um, but you're right, like seeing, it's easy to look at the movie and you, and you know, even the two priests early on in the movie, I'm not going to spoil anything. The two priests early on in the movie, they get word that this father Ferreira has apostatized. And so they say, no way, there's no way he did this. And mm-hmm. so they go over there to find out what happened to him. And so you kind of, I kind of went into the movie with that same objective kind of like, nope, that's mm-hmm. apostasy wrong period done over with. There's no question there. However, when you see, what he went through, you start yes. to understand. So when you can see somebody else, to, to, to your point, you see somebody else um, doing something they shouldn't do or sinning or, or whatever the case may be, and you think, you know, nope, wrong, And but to try to understand where they're at. You don't know their psychological situation, what they're going through mentally and emotionally and what um, traumas they've had in their past that have caused them to act the way they're acting or behave the way they're behaving. And so it it's, helps you understand and have compassion for the person, even though what they're doing is objectively wrong. And, and it's mm-hmm. not saying that we should allow them to stay there, right? but, but to um, love them enough to not push them away and say, well, you're done. Sorry. Right. You're next, next person. I want somebody who's easier to save than you, you know, like I, that God didn't do that. Mm-hmm. You know, he, all of us, even the ones that are, that are difficult to deal with. And so he's asking us the same thing in our lives and in, in ministry. When we have somebody who's difficult like that to try and say, look, this person's a child of God. You need to have compassion for them and love them enough to love them out of where they are and past where they are. So yeah, it's a good, it's a good point. I hadn't, hadn't considered that. Well, another one is, is the weakness point too, because that comes out in this movie, right? There's a priest who he is, he's, he's admitting his weakness and, and hey, let's just let these people apostatize, right? And jokingly, one of the priests talks to him about, oh, you weak Jesuit. Right. He, and so maybe there's some spiritual pride going on there, but he's showing compassion for him. But you see, as the movie unfolds, the, the priest who's weak, he clings to his weakness and entrusts it to Christ. Uh, and I'm not going to spoil anything, but you see, uh, you see the strength that comes from him being able to trust in Christ and not on his own, on his own doing. And that's a beautiful, probably a little sub theme that comes through in this movie is in his weakness, he is strong. Right. Um, and uh, so that's another thing I think that testing mm-hmm. does for us. Right. We realize, well, we really do need Christ and we think we can do it on our own. Mm-hmm. I can't even give up. Right. Like as I said, my coffee. <laughs> yeah. For, for me, you know, I think one of my the things I struggle with is and always have is just selfishness. You know, like I'm just I'm just a kind of a selfish jerk. Um, and so for me, it's that that point of I think he allows me to suffer so that I can become less selfish. You know, and I think this has, that has a lot to do with it for me personally. Why he allows me to suffer is so I can just get over myself. You mm-hmm. know, um, and then another other thing is, I strive to live as Saint Paul speaks about in the Gospels, where he's in prison and they're going to kill him, and he's just like happy. He's like so happy. He's like, oh yeah, I'm in chains. They're probably going to lob my head off tomorrow, and it's great. And I'm evangelizing these guys, and, and I'd love to be there, but I've been in points in my life where I'm like, 
I'm discontent and have nothing to be discontent about. Like things are fine. I have nothing, nothing wrong with my life at all, but I'm like, have this feeling of discontent. And I think there's a time where, where he was asking me to become content with being discontent because like St. Augustine said, we long for God until we are with God. We're never going to satisfy that. And so we have to be kind of become content with, yeah, this is just a part of our broken human nature is this lack of discontent and don't feel sorry for yourself and don't say, Oh God, it's not fair, but say, yeah. And you know, what's missing is him. And Mm -hmm. so don't you just want him more and don't you want to be with him more eventually in eternity. And so that just being content with being discontent was like really tough for me, you know? Um, so another point here is in those testings, that's when we can many times be most intimate with Christ. It doesn't, it isn't the gushy feeling, right? But that's when he is most with us. It could be the the footprints analogy that we've we've heard the story Mm -hmm, before, mm -hmm. Uh, but it's, it's in those moments that we, we experience probably his pain and his struggles the deepest. And I, I'm thinking of a situation in my life. We don't have time for all the details other than I was taken to my knees, right? Um, just, again, I'll just go, again, it was building air castles in my mind, thinking things are true. There was a time where I thought my wife was attracted to another man and uh, you know, it, it had come, it was, it was all my phone, but you know, this leads to that. And you're thinking, and I remember she was out of town, uh, going to an old high school reunion and it just, so everything's crashing in. I just remember that the torment at night and all the thoughts and feelings that I was tempted to, to go through. And yet to this day, I mean, I just, I remember just, I just knelt be, below the cross and poured out my heart to Christ throughout the night. And I hold, I cling to that because I was on a precipice myself of choosing doubt, choosing all of of these choices that were not of God. Um, And yet he was with me. He was with me in those moments of my great, great fear, great doubt, great anger and things that, and, and, and again, listening to lies and yet, so even in, when he tests us, and that may not be the perfect example of testing, but I think for me it was in a, it was a different kind of testing for me. But having gone through it and, and experiencing the victory with him afterwards, and not just that, oh yeah, we went through that, but I saw he would go to whatever lengths it took. I mean, that's what I saw. I saw Jesus on the cross. I just kept looking up, and his hands were outstretched, and he kept saying to me, "I will go to wherever it takes to show you my faithfulness to you." to love you, to care for you, to care for your family, to care for your marriage. And you've got to trust this. And I would never have encountered that intimacy, that, that depth of love, um, had I not been tested in this way. Does that make sense? I don't know if it makes oh, yeah. sense. Oh, totally. Yeah. And, and I think, well, gosh, I had that just put a, whole, a lot of thoughts in my head. Um, let me just close with this. Um, I've said this to a lot of like teens in my life. And I think that most of us that are, that are probably listening to this podcast have had that experience of like comfort with God or like, like we would say like the retreat high or mm-hmm. the <clears throat> kind of the Jesus high, you know, where you go back from retreat sure. and you're just like, life is great. And I love Jesus. He loves me. And, and life is always grand. And then you kind of, when that, when that reality kind of, um, 
ends and you don't feel that anymore when it's your your faith is based on that feeling and you start to people start to kind of drift away and so um it, it my point is that i've asked myself the question and i've asked others this but i've asked myself this question and i still ask myself this question um quite often is am i seeking those like um comforts of god or like the condolence mm-hmm. of god is yeah. that what i'm seeking or am i seeking the god of that comfort the god that provided that um, comfort in my life, you know, cause it's a different thing. If I'm just seeking that comfort, I'm not really seeking God. I'm just seeking what he can do for me, seeking that comfort when he makes me happy, when he make, makes me warm and fuzzy, I'm seeking that. Or am I seeking the God that provided that? Cause that's, that's a totally, totally different totally thing. Different. And and I think that it's in those times where, you know, he, unfortunately he, he brings us through those moments in our lives where we, we reach those points where we go, yeah, I am, I cannot rely on me anymore. Like I'm, I, I realize that <laughs> I realize that, and I've got to just rely on you, God, that you are the only thing that's going to satisfy me, the only thing that's going to bring me that happiness and joy and comfort, and that no matter what, it's it's yours. I'm just, I'm here, give it back to you, and, and trust in you. I'm glad you brought that up, because I think, as a, just as a closure, that's a test that all of us will go through. We've all gone to the high, yeah, but the test that we all will go through when you don't feel like he's there, right? I mean, that's probably a great podcast right there, Alan, in the future for us to talk through. So what do you, for, 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 for catechists, for church workers, you know, how do you help people prepare for that and understand it and, uh, you know, guide people through that process that we all will go through? Because you're right. A lot of people, once they don't experience that, they think, oh, that was, that was just an emotional experience. Yeah. And, and, um, you know, they throw the, the faith aside. Yep. Wow. This was good. This was good. Man, we should have more time. Thank you, man. This has yeah, been awesome. Yeah, thank you. Well, hey, all you guys out there, all two of you that are listening to our podcast. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. The two dweebs all, talking. All both of you. We uh, Please send us an email list of what you want us to talk about. Um, we don't do this to hear ourselves talk. We could do that um, less awkwardly without microphones in our face, but we do it because we hope something edifying comes out of our mouths that will be Amen. Um, good for you. So um, please let us know what you want us to talk about. We'd love to do that. And I um, uh, love you, bro. And you too, sis. Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, Marisa, our producer. Yes. We didn't give you a chance to pipe in today. I have a microphone. Tom took it. Oh, I took uh, her microphone. That's, that's right. what it is. Ah, golly. Oh. Sorry. I'm always so selfish, aren't I? I'm like over here. Well, thanks. Thanks, Alan, and thanks, Marissa. This has been great, and I look forward to the next one. Me too. All right, we're praying for you guys. Please pray for us, and uh, we'll see you next time. Peace.